0: Hi, I'm Rev. Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome, everyone, to The Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you're here. Today's a beautiful day in Wisconsin. I hope it's a beautiful day where you are. I want to give a shout out to my donors, which I've been doing recently. So today I'm going to shout out to Rhonda. Thank you, Rhonda, so much for your donations. You've given a couple times and I so appreciate your support of this podcast prayer and retreat ministry. Also, want to remind everyone of the Whole Planet Spirituality Forum and Retreat at Unity Village, October 19th through 22nd. And there's going to be lots of amazing speakers and workshops, fabulous plant based food, wonderful people who are on all spectrums of the path of spirituality. We will be talking about being in alignment with our values and. Our actions and our thoughts and our feelings so that we really can experience inner peace and be peacemakers in the world. And part of that includes how we look at the planet and all the fellow creatures on our planet. So it doesn't matter where you are, if you're a vegan, if you're vegetarian, if you're a curious omnivore, if you just want to learn a little bit about living a vegan lifestyle, no one's going to pressure you, but it is a great place to feel the love and learn about what it's like to live in alignment with our planet. So that's my run-up. If you are on YouTube, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe. Also on my podcast, Rate and Review, all that good stuff that helps this podcast stay a top-rated spiritual podcast. Let me introduce my guest today. Diane Waltner grew up in rural Kansas where her Mennonite family ran a poultry hatchery. An introverted, highly sensitive child who was bullied and ostracized at her small school, Diane always felt a sense of solidarity with the underdog, which ultimately led her to challenge the paradigm she was raised in. Her journey through cognitive dissonance, feelings of loss and rejection, depression, self-medication with alcohol, and her ultimate redemption is told in her book, Evolving into Wholeness, A Journey of Compassion. Through her spiritual journey of self discovery and its unavoidable companions, pain, courage, and dark nights of the soul, Diane ultimately chose to align her life with her deeply held values of compassion for all. Recently, Diane became an ordained animal chaplain, and she is also a Main Street Vegan Academy certified coach and educator. And Diane is committed to creating a better world for human and non human animals alike. Welcome, Diane.
1: Thank you so much, Carol. It's such an honor to be here.
0: I'm so glad to have you. I I really am. I think we're going to have just a really interesting conversation, very different than other conversations that I've had with people. And as I said before we got on the air here, that every person's journey is really interesting. Everyone's is unique. And I know that your story will bless people who are, who are listening or watching on YouTube. So speaking of your story, I want you to fill up in any gaps that you want to fill in about your story. I know it kind of brushed over that you you your family ran a poultry hatchery. And I know there was just a lot that went into your working there. And, and the experience that you had there as you kind of awaken to, you know, the fact that you love all beings and that you're doing these things to these other beings. And I think that was kind of a big part of your journey. So you want to talk a little bit about your spiritual journey?
1: Yeah, sure. It's and as you mentioned, I grew up in a Mennonite community. I grew up in a farm just in the central Kansas. We were regular churchgoers and I and there are still a lot of things that I value about the Mennonite faith. I always appreciated the pacifism, the simple living, but there always seemed to be somewhat of a disconnect because, you know, we talked about nonviolence and and pacifism, but that only that didn't extend beyond the humanity, beyond human, beyond the human race. And so so as I when I was in in high school, I read a couple of books that were really pivotal in my life. One was Mankind, Our Incredible War on Wildlife, and another one was America's Last Wild Horses by Hope Ryden. And from the The Mankind by Cleveland Amory, I I became very Upset with the fur industry, and after learning about that, and I was always—it always bothered me. We had hunters on our land, and Dad would usually allow it, but we'd be out there and listening to them shoot, and it—it was—it was always that always bothered me. And I just felt so—I I felt more of a connection with the the wild animals. But then, then I'd go and, and work at the hatchery and and do so. So there there was a lot of cognitive dissonance. But the the book that really started me on my spiritual journey, which included uh, in including animals, was America's Last Wild Horses, because I was really upset by and angry about the fact that wild horses were being round up, rounded up and sent to slaughter for humans. And and one night at supper, I yeah, just mentioned this to my family. I said, "You know, isn't that terrible that they're killing horses for for human consumption?" And and Dad just asked me the question, "What's the difference between eating a horse and a cow?" And you know, in my mind, I I tried to rationalize it and say that, well, you know, horses are pets, you know, and, and cows are just here for us to eat. That's yeah, that's their purpose. That's why God gave them to us. But it never really, it never really set right with me. It just didn't seem right that a loving God would create animals just to be killed. So, so that kind of, but then that kind of, kind of tried to ignore that and, and continue on because I did spend a lot of time at the hatchery before I was old enough to work there, we'd we go there and I loved hatch days because you know all the baby chickens and we hatch chickens and turkeys. All the baby chicks and the baby turkeys were were so cute. And so we'd yeah, you know, we'd play with them and I remember holding holding the chicks in my hand and just petting their heads and just watching them close their eyes and go to sleep. And I just I just loved that. And then as I got older and I started working there. It you know, it's it's kind of surprising to think of how quickly we can become desensitized to, you know, to the suffering in the world and to what we're doing, the suffering that we're causing. Because, yeah, as I started in, we did a lot of things at the Hatcher. I won't go into a lot of detail, but I did do a lot of, I mean, I witnessed a lot of de-beaking, de-winging and I did a lot of detowing and de myself. And it was hard at first, but you kind of numb that. You kind of numb those feelings, you kind of suppress that because you have to keep going. And, and these were good people. My parents were wonderful people. I knew they loved me dearly and they were, I, I couldn't imagine better parents. And good people don't do bad things, so this must just be something that we have to do. This is just a necessary, unfortunate, but necessary part of life. And for some reason, I still couldn't quite figure out how God condoned this, but it must be. He must be. You, you know, he. I still had the impression of God as, as the old man in the cloud. So, and you know my my views have certainly evolved a lot since then. but but, at the time, that's kind of what I thought. so it it must be it must be the way that that he thought it was going to be. Well, fast forward about ten or twelve years after I was out of college and I got involved with an animal with with an animal rights group. And they were protesting furs, and since I'd been long against furs, I really felt comfortable joining them and being a part of that. And it it, that kind of cemented my feelings that I had about fur and about. And then I also met some vegetarians and people who were thinking about going vegetarian. And you know, I didn't really want to think about it. But I still couldn't. I still kept coming back to that question that that Dad asked because I would never, never knowingly eat a horse. So, why is it okay for me to eat cows and other things? So, so eventually, at about thirty, and I seem to go in in kind of ten-year periods. So, about thirty, I went vegetarian. I was also doing a lot of, I was also smoking a lot and drinking a lot. At 40, I quit smoking. At 50, I went vegan. And at 60, I quit drinking. So it's like every decade, I has some major life change. But along with that change to trans, the transformation to vegetarian, I also, it it was a tremendous spiritual awakening as well. It was extremely difficult. I did, as you mentioned, I did spend many dark nights of the soul to the point that I, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't didn't feel like I could keep doing what I was doing. But I felt like, you know, the only people who had, had shown me love and compassion that I knew that I could count on, my family. I didn't want, it felt like a rejection of them because I was rejecting their whole way of life and our whole way of life. And so it was extremely difficult, but it was so spiritually liberating once I finally made that decision that I was not going to eat animals anymore. So it was very painful. And so I understand how difficult and why it can be difficult for people to make that change, make that to make that choice. But in the end, and then I kind of went through the same thing. It took me a long time. It took me about another 20 years to finally give up all animal products because I still, you know, I still like to think that, you know, that we needed them. And I I was one of those who was addicted to cheese. So that was really hard for me to give up. And I thought, well, I'm still supporting the family industry because I'm still eating eggs. So I'm not totally rejecting my family and I had relatives who had dairy farms. And as dairy farms go, you know, they couldn't have been any more humane. The cows were on pasture. They had names. They were called, you know, they were, they were loved as much as dairy cows could be loved. But actually one of my relatives commented to me just a few years ago about how hard it was when she had to send them to slaughter. Finally, it made the connection that dairy cows... Yeah, there's no retirement homes for dairy cows. They go to slaughter just like every other animal for for me. So so once I finally made that connection, then I I realized that I could not be a part of that anymore.
0: I'd like to interject just a little bit before you go on, because there's a lot in what you said. And I think that what I loved about your story is it, it helped me understand why... This is so hard for so many people. And, and it's, not just, it's really just not about changing what you eat. It's, it's a whole psycho-spiritual thing. It's, it's massive. And in your case, you had wonderful parents, and they were role models, and you loved them, and they were loving people. And so there's this kind of disconnect about what they're doing. You, you can't condemn what they're doing because you love them and they love you. I think this is what happens with children. I, I think all of us become indoctrinated into a system of of violence that's accepted, and because our our parents are doing this, then you know, I if I go against that, I feel like I'm cutting myself off from my source of love, and this is the trauma that children experience when they undergo abuse, but also when they're faced with these do I do what my parents do or do I go against them? And how does that feel? I I remember once myself that I was going through some old family pictures and I, you know, I adored my dad and I, I had great parents too. I saw a picture of my father as a young man holding a pheasant. I mean, it was after hunting. He was not a hunter. As far as I know, he never hunted, but apparently at one point in time in his life, his work buddies invited him out. And when I saw that, I took the picture out of the album and I hid it. I, I, I put it away. I was not going to think of my father in those terms. My father wouldn't do that. And there it was, you know? And so, and I just felt quiet desperation around that. I too was a sensitive child like you about animals and well, all life. And I think that, I think most children are sensitive about life. I think that we're just trained at various rates to desensitize ourselves. But anyway, so I, I feel I really feel felt your pain reading your book about that how do I kind of declare myself when my family has completely different values. And it probably would have been more helpful if they weren't a good family. <laughs> and you could rebel. <laughs> but I I think that I, I think that this you said it felt like that you were rejecting your family. And I just think that's just a fascinating thing to try to overcome because I think the the whole spiritual path is is about becoming you. It's about becoming you. It's about becoming ourselves, not about just carrying on the the patterning of conditioning and carrying on the pattern of our parenting. So, you know, this was your struggle. And I I think that I think that the cognitive dissonance, which if people don't know what that means, that's when you have inconsistent thoughts, beliefs. And attitudes, and it's not, it's not like your beliefs aren't aligned with your actions. And most of us are living this way, whether it's about animals or about child labor or any number of issues, war, government, politics, medicine, any number of issues. But you, you, you walked through that and still were able to make your own decisions. So you, I'll, I'm going to let you pick up and, and, and say what the next chapter is.
1: Well, and yes, like you said, I thought I've often thought it would have been a lot easier if if they would have if my parents would have been jerks, you know, if right. they would have been okay. They're bad people, they're doing bad things. I don't need to be a part of this. Yeah.
0: We live in a world where good people do do bad things or do do things that are really mean. We live in that world.
1: Right. Right. And that's yeah, that like you said, that that was really hard to reconcile. But I realize that we've we've all been indoctrinated into this system and and to believe that that's you know when I was growing up you know we had the four food groups and half of that was animal products you know you had to have that to be healthy.
0: There's one more thing I wanted to point out because the story that you tell about holding the little chicks and the little pults, the little babies, I I think that that is so you're at a hatchery, and I think that that is such a beautiful example of the child the in, in the inner child that we all have our inner child wants to hold the chick our inner child does not want to snap its neck it does not want to slash its throat it does not want to clip its wings our inner child wants to hold the baby chick and and you know, that that journey to returning to or allowing that child within us to arise so that our compassion for beings can overcome all of this cultural conditioning. I think that is that is the spiritual path. We are, restore ourselves back to that child that wants to hold the chick. So I love that you also brought that into your story. So I think where you left off is probably like when you were in college and with the vegetarians, meeting vegetarians and things like that.
1: Okay. Yeah, so it, it was it was good to actually meet other people i mean now that i was away from home and i wasn't working at the hatchery anymore so i could kind of put that aside but it was nice meeting i actually met met people who who were like i said vegetarians or or in the process of becoming so it it felt like i was finding a new community finding a new even though i i never wanted to reject my parents and i have to say that and especially considering some of my other friends' experience when they went vegetarian, that mine was my family was surprisingly supportive. I think you know my dad didn't understand it, and, and but mom, mom was always. I mean, when I when I'd go home, she'd always fix vegetarian food for me. I mean, she would she would always, and she told me once that you know it really wouldn't be hard for her to be vegetarian. So, but it was just, you know, that was just not our, not our culture, but, but it was, that was, that was really good. But, but throughout all of this, I had started smoking and drinking and, and drinking became my main method of coping with a lot of things so it was my my go to if if it was a bad day you know drink to forget if it was a good day drink to celebrate it was you know it was kind of like cheese there was always alcohol in the fridge there was always wine or or beer or and cheese in the fridge until i finally decided that i cared enough about myself that i i wanted to quit smoking i was having some health issues health concerns and so i decided that i would go with my mom and some relatives on a bus trip to get away from the smoking, so i finally i I did manage to do that, which was which was really challenging. But I finally started caring enough about myself to quit smoking. And then then as i you know, as I went on, then yeah, you know, down the road, i I also started caring. it took it it took it it's not willpower. it takes self-compassion more than willpower. And especially when I quit drinking at 60, it wasn't, it wasn't willpower was that I finally started caring enough and feeling connected and feeling spiritual, connected with the the divine and feeling spiritually, feeling spiritual enough that I, I cared about my life. Interesting. Yeah. That's a huge step. Yeah. Many of the, a lot of times I, you yeah, know, when I wasn't actively suicidal, which I was, which I was periodically, but a lot of times I was just, I didn't care if I lived or died.
0: Yeah, and that was deeply ingrained from, from childhood. So this is, this is a really, really great story of, of the spiritual path, because it's, it's a path of awareness, it's a path of individuating, but ultimately it's a path of loving yourself, Ultimately, it's a path of loving yourself enough to become who you were meant to be on this planet, and, and it sounds like that took also some experience of the divine God, whatever it is we want to call that energy under all that is, and the, the great creator, whatever we want to call it, that some sort of relationship or understanding of that, I think, helped you along your path. But I love what you say that it wasn't about willpower. That's so interesting to me that it's about self love, self compassion, self care. And how interesting is that? Which really, what, what you ended up doing is letting go of habits that weren't healthy and letting go of habits that weren't consistent with your values. And it, we would think that that would be an easy thing to do. You know, it's just easy. I mean, like, you know this is it not good for me? let me let 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 it go, you know, but it is it is such an arduous journey because it's entwined with so much sense of ourselves and our friends and our social environment and our families and all of that. So ultimately, you're saying it's self-compassion. I think that's fascinating,
1: yeah, because without well, without without that, i I would not have I, I would not have quit drinking because. It was just uh, that was that was as hard to think about not having a going for going for a week. I couldn't imagine going for a week without a drink, even even two or three days. But then the more I learned about it and realized how how harmful it was. And, you know, I finally decided and, and you know, I don't know that I would have I would have quit drinking if I wouldn't have gone vegan, because after. Going vegan, I did start to feel more of the oneness and more of the connection with all life and with the divine, and how I valued other lives, and I started valuing myself. Mm. So
0: interesting. So yeah. So I, I, it it sounds like your st- your step your step to kind of be in action in the world that was align with your values, which was, you know, compassion for all beings, that that deepened your spirituality, and that deepened your sense of self, and yet deepened your sense of the divine. How interesting. Yes, it's, it is a spiritual path.
1: Yes, very much so. Um, and I, you know, I, I continue on that. I'm, I've, I've experimented with a lot of things. Like I say, I still value a lot of the things that I grew up with as a Mennonite, but I still... And and I've I've been yeah I've been drawn to a variety of faith traditions. I was going to theosophical meetings for a while, you know. And I when I started going back to church, I was drawn to the Unitarian Universalism. And I still and and then then Unity for the same reasons because they're both they're both more eclectic. They yeah you know, they take from. A lot of different faith traditions. it's not one particular, so so I found a lot of a lot of comfort and a lot of good things in 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 those and especially in unity. the Unitarian I was very active with the Unitarian church for for a number of years and was really grateful for everything that I learned there, but I was really drawn to unity because of the spiritual Emphasis, the Unitarian Church that I attended was more into humanism, which mm-hmm. uh, which I can understand, but i I really valued the the spiritual emphasis of unity at
0: the time when you were getting to know what unity was all about. did you know about the founders and how Charles and Myrtle Fillmore were? not not only were they just ethical vegetarians, but they Charles is very vocal about, if if we're going to be peaceful people, we cannot keep killing animals. And if we want to develop spiritually, part of it is letting the animals on our plates go, you know, stopping that, you know, he wasn't, he didn't make people do these things, but he definitely spoke pretty clearly about that. Did you know about that, about unity when you started unity?
1: Not initially. But then, and then when I found out later that the Fillmores were ethical vegetarians, that just, that just made me even more inclined to be a part of unity.
0: Yeah. Now, unity overall, you know, I do this retreat at Unity Village to try, try to resurrect and reignite these teachings in unity, but unity overall has kind of fallen away from that. But, but I, you know, like everything, we're all, we're all on a path. And, you know, actually, I think your book helps me understand why people are different places on their path when it comes to this. But I do think the Fillmore's were right in that this is part of the spiritual path. This is part of the spiritual path. If if we want to say we're nonviolent, we've got to be nonviolent. If we want to say we're loving, we've got to be loving. And that has to be loving and nonviolent towards everything out there, people, animals, all of life, everything in here, myself, not being violent towards myself, which I think your alcohol was... And smoking was violent towards yourself, and and being loving towards yourself. So, and that that is that is the spiritual path to align to align that. It's not about all becoming vegan, but it is about getting ourselves aligned. I want to talk a little bit about the similarities between veganism and sobriety. This perception that in order to be vegan, you've got to give up a lot. In order to be sober, you have to give up a lot. Like. And so there's all this focus of it's too hard. There's too much to give up, you know. And and there's a lot. It looks like there is to give up. But your experience really is that both can be very expansive. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yeah. The first thing that people think, like if you say you're vegan or that you don't drink, it's you well, know, all of the things that you have to give up. We always think about what we're missing out on, what we're what we're having to go without, but we don't think about all of the things that we gain, because, yeah, I think and and one of obviously one of my pet peeves is when people say, "Oh, you're vegan, you can't eat that." I mean, I can. I choose not to <laughs> right, right, right it's it's and and once it's an ethical choice it's it's not that it's not that difficult because you gain so much well with veganism i gained a whole new world of of food experiences there is so much more out there you know so many options that i wasn't even aware of because i was stuck in the usual you know meat potatoes kind of routine when you take that away and and look for the new things it's it's amazing all of the variety you know the I mean, I, I gained so much as far as just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, you yeah. know, I enjoy food. I, I've always loved eating and I love eating even more because the food is even so much better. And the thing, well, in the same kind of, in, in the same kind of way with with alcohol, once I stopped drinking, I realized how much time I had spent even just thinking about drinking. Like, okay, how much how much wine do I have in the fridge? Do I need to go to the liquor store? Do I need I mean, just the thinking about it, just the all of the trips to the liquor store and then trying to, you know, go to different, find different liquor stores because you gotta because I got embarrassed to be going to the same one all the time. So I didn't want to I didn't want to give the impression that I was drinking that much. I'm lucky that I never got a DUI. I'm lucky that I never was injured by some of the strange strangers that I allowed into my home after a night of drinking. So to be free of all of that worry and to be free of the guilt was just just wonderful. and it it's like I say, we it's it's saying we think of all the things that we're saying no to, but what we're really saying is saying yes to life, to our life and to other lives. We're saying yes to compassion for ourselves and for others. We're saying yes to, to freedom for ourselves and for others. So it's really, it's really a joyful way to live. Yeah,
0: and I would think also with the alcohol, since that was something that you were using to kind of anesthetize yourself, you know, you are also free to feel your feelings and free to be present, you know, so it's like not having to cover all of that up. Like you uh, you uh, were vulnerably expose yourself to uh, to the feelings and the reality and 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 allow that to rise, so that's that's the healing part that's the spiritual healing, so that's a huge thing to gain um so i think I think it's interesting how you you stated that people have a propensity to say what I would be missing, oh what I would be missing and we're we're addicted to so many things that aren't good for us but Boy, we don't want to miss out. We don't want to miss out on the festivities. We don't want to miss out on being with friends. We don't miss out. But, but when we're on a path that aligns us spiritually with our spiritual path, then—and then the, and I, think, I think at some point you must have just committed yourself to that because then the kind of world kind of opens up, and, and it's an expanding, abundant world. New foods, you know, new realities, new peace, new love.
1: And new friendships, too. I have to say I've made some really, you know, I've found a community and found a lot of Meeting meeting people of of similar mind and interests.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's so important. It's important for everybody to find community, and I think that was one of the things that was really disturbing about the COVID years because it's like, where's my community? People kind of got lost a little bit with with the lockdowns and whatnot. But we on the spiritual path, it's very important to have. Well, it's important for everyone to be in community, but if you if you if you're on the spiritual path, it's important to have the spiritual conversation around you and people that kind of help hold you accountable, if not necessarily overtly, but by just by your friendship and how you want to show up.
1: Right. And just having other other vegans too. I mean, veganism, which is definitely a part of my spiritual path, but it would be much more it's much more difficult when you're trying to go against the cultural nor- norms by yourself. It's so nice to have have friends with you on that journey as well.
0: Yeah. People who see that are in the same reality paradigm, who people who have made yeah. So, I want to I want to pivot a little bit and talk about your animal chaplaincy that you were just ordained as an animal chaplain. I'd love to hear about that program and what that means and What you might do with it. And if anybody's interested in becoming an animal chaplain, what what they should do.
1: Yes, I'd I'd love to talk about that. It it was through the Compassion Consortium, which was co founded by Victoria Moran and William Melton and Sarah Bowen, Reverend Sarah Bowen. She was the, Reverend Sarah was the director for the, the chaplaincy program. And it was amazing. It was, Quite, it covered a lot of territory. We, yeah, we we talked about a lot of different things, and I'm still, I, I will probably for the for the rest of the year continue reading on some of the optional books that we that we covered. It's basically, well, kind of the tagline is healing human hearts, honoring animal lives. Oh
0: wow! And how long is the program?
1: It is three, six, or nine months. There's just an introductory program and you can start out with one and you can continue if you decide that you want to go on. Three-month program is kind of an introductory program. The six month is a, a, a certificate program. And then if you want the full ordination, it's nine months and it will be starting again, I believe in September. And to find out more, I mean, to get more specific details on, on that and, and about the upcoming program. It's under compassionconsortium.org and it's under training.
0: Yeah. And I'll have that link on these show notes. So you went through the nine month program. And so out of that, there's a there was an ordination in, and you are now an ordained animal chaplain. And I, I'm interested in the kinds of people who were in this program and, and what what you might do with it, and also what others might be doing as animal chaplains.
1: There were quite a variety of people in the program. There were some people who were already clergy or social workers or therapists. There was a lot of people in rescue. There were, and there were some like us, there were some activists. So there, there was quite quite a variety of people who took it. I I have to say, I, I admit I at first I was kind of surprised that not everybody in the program was vegan, but but like I say, it was there there was a lot of interest from a wide range of people. And so because of that, there are a lot of different things that people are doing with it. What I have been starting out with is contacting veterinarians and offering my services for their clients as well as for the staff for support for people either, you know, dealing with the euthanasia decision and support before, during and after Helping deal with grief and finding ways to memorialize their animal companion and rituals, developing, helping them develop rituals. So that's kind of what I've been starting as. I also plan on the minister at Unity has asked me, she said that she wants to work with me on developing a blessing of the animal service in October so i'm I'm also looking at doing some things at the church. I, I plan on on doing a study group on some of the Fillmore's teachings and on your booklet about about animals. So so that's a few of the things that I want to do. There's some other classes that I also want to take. I'm interested in the Shelter Animal Reiki Association has some classes. So I would like to take that and do some more, do some work directly with, with animals as well, which is some people are working mostly with animals and not so much with humans. So that that's another option. Then there's another course that I hope to take this fall on becoming a certified animal companion, end of life doula. So, so there, there's a lot of opportunities for continuing education. The the Compassion Consortium is also offering kind of a another an advanced course in chaplaincy that I'm considering. So, so there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of opportunities. I, i have yeah, I'm getting a lot of interest. People are generally interested in the animal chaplaincy and what. That involves, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, uh, because even though it's still, I mean, people are are much more open to it than they used to be, because back in the day when I was in college, I did, I was briefly in the master's program in counseling with the intent on specializing in pet loss counseling, but this was back in the 1980s, and people were not. It was not that. It was not as well known or as as well received as it is today. As far as the human-animal bond, you know, which is something else that yeah you know, is a big part of this program, working to strengthen the human-animal bond and helping animals thrive. Mm-hmm. While they're alive, as well as helping them with the sacred send-off.
0: Okay, interesting. So, as an animal chaplain, you can minister to the animals and you can minister to the humans. And you can minister to the bond between animals and humans, and and there's lots of different ways to express that. I do know that loss of our companion animals, some people suffer horrendously when they lose their animal companion, and and the world doesn't always understand that. And they're like, you can get another dog, you can get another cat or rabbit or whatever it is, but it, it is a a real loss. I i i think the animals. I think the animals are our teachers. I think they kind of show up in the world to to show us how to live and and just being able to connect with what it is that they're saying to us and I know we're not talking about animal communication but that bond between us and the animal world I think it's an original bond I think it's one of the reasons we're we're, we're living in kind of a traumatic state because we've broken it in so many different ways so before I go on a, an idea that came to me <laughs> while you were talking I know that Renee King Sonnen, who is the, going to be the keynote speaker at the retreat, she's doing work with chicken farmers who have chosen to convert their chicken farms to mushroom farms. And I think there's a lot of farmers, I shouldn't say there's a lot, there are farmers, Howard Lyman's one, there's, there's a pig farmer's another, there's a bunch of farmers out there who have kind of awaken to, I don't want to keep doing this anymore to my animals. Like I do bond with them. E- either either you cut off the bond and you mechanize the whole process. so You don't have to think about it. Or you do have them close to you and you name them and you kind of love them, but then you send them off to market. And there's a lot of farmers that are, if they knew of an alternative they would take the alternative and I know Renee King is helping farmers make that transition and I'm just thinking about the there could be a lot of healing opportunity around people who are awakening like you did from your poultry farm that you grew up on that are awakening to I've done all this to tens or hundreds of thousands of animals and 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 i feel the grief of that i mean it's it's welling up in my heart and i don't know what to do with that and they could easily turn to the bottle if they're not there now or drugs or whatever or just not make the change or hate themselves self-loathing whatever i just see a lot of opportunity to minister to people who are awakening in that way that maybe an animal chaplain would be the right the right key to fit that
1: yes and that is something that i'm also that i would also be very interested in so yeah i would be happy to to work with anybody who's dealing with that.
0: Yeah. And and you've been there. So you would be the perfect person to, to wake yeah. up to that.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I still sometimes, you know, if I think back, I can still in my mind's eye see, you know, see the the, the chicks and tur- turkeys suffering and I can still smell the burning flesh and, and, you know, I, I can, I, that, that's something, you know, I'll live with for the rest of my life, but I, I'm, Yeah, I want to help. So, so I do understand. Yeah, I understand the pain.
0: Yeah, and Uh, all of us, all of us have lived with something. You know, I mean, you know, unless we're like born, born innocent and stayed innocent and and didn't succumb to any of the normalized violence that our culture says is okay, we've all participated in normalized violence in some way. And I think it's one of the things that keeps us asleep. We don't want to see. We don't want to know and and if we do know then what what does that mean about me and i kind of lose my bearings so we've all been on in this place where it's like i've participated in this we all have some kind of grief around it and and, and 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 that's that you can't change that but you can change who you are going forward and you can be i do believe you can be in prayer for beings in the past i do believe you can do that and I do believe that we can also love ourselves knowing that I think in the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, the fourth one, I think we're all doing our best. It, it may not look like that, but at the time you you were doing your best with what you knew. I was doing my best with what I knew. And then when we knew something different, we did better or we did differently. It may have taken 20 years to make those decisions or those changes, but at least we we have and just really, I just want to welcome anyone to be on this process because it's like I said in your introduction. You know, the spiritual path, self-discovery, and the spiritual journey is accompanied with pain, courage, and dark nights of the soul. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it, you you can't be on you can't be on it without pain, courage, and dark nights of the soul. And but on the other side of it is a bright a bright life.
1: Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's it's hard to feel those feelings. It's hard to it's hard to face them. But once you you can, once you get through it, it's so much but life is so much better.
0: Yeah. Before we start to close, I was wondering you if I should have done this in the very beginning. Like, how do you define veganism? Because I was interviewed recently for a podcast, and and she says, "Oh, you're talking about the vegan diet." And I said, "No, it's not a vegan diet. It's something else." So I'm interested in like, how do you define what being a vegan is?
1: I define it as avoiding exploitation of animals in as much as possible. So it's it's definitely much more than a diet that's a big part of it because that's the one thing that we do two or three times a day but it also involves you know not wearing well as i talked about the fur yeah not wearing products of animal exploitation not participating in forms of entertainment like circuses or zoos or certainly rodeos you know things that anything that exploits an animal i i try as, as best as I can to avoid. It's not possible to be perfectly vegan because it's not a perfect world that I try and, and, and do the best that I can.
0: Well, and the product labels too. I forget about that too, but the products that, that where animal testing is used and kind of want to add that.
1: Right, yes, definitely. The animal research and even you know the charities that I donate to i I select charities that do not use animal testing or animal research so yeah there's there's a lot of sadly there's there are a lot of things that to be mindful of when you're looking to avoid animal exploitation,
0: yeah, and really, you know, I think again, this is a spiritual path we're talking about ex. Avoiding exploitation of everyone, you know, we're not saying, oh, it's okay to exploit people, but not animals or animals, but not people. You know, this is about freedom for everyone and, 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 eliminating slavery for everyone, eliminating exploitation for everyone. It's, it is the golden, the golden rule of golden rules. We just include everyone, not just a subset of, of creation, which is humanity, <laughs>
1: So. definitely that's yeah that's it's important to to be kind to people as well right 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 yeah the mean vegans
0: they they're 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 very very tough activists out there that they're they're projecting their own inner pain onto humans and um it's understandable if they see humans doing horrible things to animals but that doesn't help that doesn't help us. Become more peaceful people, and I think one of the things that's interesting about your bio is, it, it, I think it said something about how you're you're like a pacifist activist or something like that. <laughs> that you're you you're not you're one of those activists that very much values the Mennonite pacifism, and so there's a whole different energy to that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I have done their protesting, but as far as being but but most of my most of my activism is more involved with education and and vegan potlucks, which are starting up again. I'm so excited. As a matter of fact, tonight we have our our first one since since COVID. So I do think
0: you can people being exposed to these foods. Usually people don't complain. <laughs> right. They don't know what you're talking about, which is show what, what kind of food you're talking about. Here, try this. It's like, oh, that's good. We just got a few more minutes, and Diane, I want to give the, the floor to you for the last few minutes if I forgot anything or didn't cover something that was is of interest to you, if you have a message that you haven't been able to convey yet. So I want to kind of turn that over to you, and I will have all the links to everything that you mentioned about the animal chaplaincy and anything else, your book, on the podcast webpage as well.
1: Well, well, first of all, I am excited. I'm not but on on July eighteenth, I'm happy to say that I will be five years alcohol free. Oh, so nice. We'll be celebrating that alcohol free. And I would just like to express my gratitude to you, Carol, for being on this podcast and also for all the work that you do, to all the animals who have saved my life in. So many ways, and to all the people who are working to improve the lives of animals, whether it be through rescue, through humane education, through being a vegan, through speaking out for them, anybody who is is working on their behalf, I am so grateful to you. And if I may be of service in any way, please let me know.
0: Wonderful. And would you be okay with us providing your email on the podcast page as well? Yes. Okay, great. And also any animal chaplaincy services that you you may be able to provide for people. And yeah, you know, I think you're a bright light on this planet, Diane. I'm, I think your story is really inspiring. And it is a story of courage. And it does really help me and others understand why Making life changes can be so hard for people and and also how they can be so empowering for people. And it, it is part of the spiritual path. As I said before, you know, we've all been conditioned and letting go of all these layers of conditioning is really about getting down to this bare, who is Diane, God's beloved, who is Carol, God's beloved and expressing ourselves fully as we are. And I think you're really doing that. So you're really a good, great role model for that.
1: Thank you so much, Carol. It's, it's been a pleasure being with you today.
0: Okay. And we're going to say goodbye. And everybody who's listening, thank you for hanging in there. I know this is a tough, tough conversation for a lot of people and I hope you just look at Diane's journey as you know, find what's really interesting in it, and maybe your heart is opening a little bit to widen your circle of compassion to animals. Maybe you're giving some thought to to something you haven't thought about before. And we just want to bless that journey because we know it is accompanied with, you know, courage and pain and dark nights of the soul. We've been there and still on that path. So thank you so much, listeners. And I now close the Spiritual Forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being.